Hello, everybody, and welcome in to another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Wednesday, June 1st, 2022, and I'm your host, George Kurt, joined by the one and only Cody Roadcap. Cody, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy to be in June. That's all I can say. Although the weather here on the East Coast is a little bit too warm today, in my opinion, but I'm happy that it's summer and not winter. So I'll, I'll take that. Besides the fact that winter is football season, I like the being outside weather better. But yes. <laughs> um, so while we talk, we're going we're to talk today some early quarterback rankings. We did our 1 through 12 last week. Tyler's going to join us again here later in the show to go through 13 to 24. And we're also going to hit some news and notes from around the league here. Make sure you find us on the couchgms.com and our social media channels for more than you get from the show. Cody, why don't we jump right into NFL news? And we're going to have to start NFL news off with a sad bit of news again. Uh, new Cardinals cornerback Jeff Gladney passed away on Monday at the age of 25 after injury suffered in a car accident. So as always, you know, thoughts and prayers out to his current teammates, his former teammates, his family, hoping that they get through a rough time. Cody, what do you have anything to add? Yeah, as always, uh, all of us here at the couch GMs just want to give our thoughts and prayers. Um, it's tough. We lost. Another, I mean, we, coming off of an offseason where we've already lost uh, Dwayne Haskins, another young player in his early 20s, Jeff Gladney. Uh, he was kind of starting to rebuild his career. He was a former first round pick. He ran into some legal issues that seemed to be settling. He found a spot with the Cardinals and he s- seemed like he was now ready to make, you know, make a name for himself, remind people why he was drafted in the first round. Cardinals seemed like a good fit. And then the the tragic accident that took place over the weekend. Um, tough news for everyone. Both organizations that he was on, they came out in support for the family, their condolences. And that's honestly what we can do. It's a, t- it's a terrible situation. Um, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the Gladney family. It just shows it can happen at any time. And it's hard losing somebody that young. But everyone stay safe out there. And everyone, we're, we're always going to be thinking of Jeff Gladney. But moving on to some other news around the league, um, we always know that there's news that hits the day after we record. And last week's was new practice squad and injured reserve rules that were worked out at the NFL meetings. So while we start off here with practice squad, so this is kind of replacing not only the old rules, but the COVID rules that were happening for the last few years. They are now allowing six veterans on your practice squad. There used to be a situation where you could not really add veterans to your practice squad. Um, They are keeping, to an extent, the elevating a practice squad player for game day. You are allowed to activate a a certain player three times without moving them to your 53-man roster. So a little confusing there. It's not three times throughout the season. It's a single player can go up three times. And if you want to bring them up again for a fourth game, you have to add them to your 53-man roster. But... It's kind of a good mesh between the old rules, which I feel like it was basically just young guys. The practice squad was not really used that much to now. The practice squad is a little bit more fluid. It's going to see a lot more guys that are going to even see game action than pre-COVID. Yeah, I mean, the practice squad rules, I mean, I kind of wish they would have just kept the COVID rules. I think they work nicely, but I'm since they did change it, I'm especially glad they allowed the veterans to stay on. It used to be a three-year cap. Um, but you'll see guys like prime example, Adrian Peterson, when he went to the Seahawks, he actually signed with the practice squad. This allows veterans to come in 
and sign on the practice squad. Yes, you know, there's some contract repercussions for that, but they sign on the practice squad. They get to be a part of the team for a few weeks before they have to be activated. It, it gives the team some leeway for bringing in veterans. You'll see more movement. You'll see more players being picked up. Uh, so it is a positive for, for those guys. Um, it, it will get a little bit con convoluted when you start having to count the number of times someone moves up in the the season. But honestly, if you move a guy up more than three times, you should probably just sign him to your 53 anyway. So mm -hmm. it seems like a happy medium where they can't completely keep someone in the practice squad all season long. But not just the practice squad was updated. We also had the IR. Um, so now there's a cap. It used to be unlimited during COVID. It's, there's now a cap. It is eight players can return. Or I should say you can eight players but it came the same player can be returned twice no, as a party three times they can now return the same player twice correct that's what i, I thought i said if yeah. i said can't i meant can uh <laughs> the third time his season is over uh the, the big change is it is four games compared to three games uh during covid so there's an extra game in there um and it's also a good reminder that it's games not week so if there is a bye week you'd be missing that player for five weeks come uh the, the season but you know again it honestly should just be unlimited, but at least we're getting more players being able to re return, come back. It doesn't end their season. Um, so another good move. Again, wish they would have just kept the COVID rolls in place, but at yeah. least they did something and we didn't re go back to what we were pre-COVID in terms of the IR. Oh, yeah, because if you were in a platform that did not allow for out players to be put on a reserve spot in fantasy, the IR and the reserve was almost completely useless. Like you'd use it for suspended players. You maybe have that guy on pup that's coming back week six. And after that, it's just useless. But now teams are still going to use the injured reserve for short term injuries. If you can bring back at least eight players, I do also wish it was COVID, but I mean, pre COVID they were allowed to return two players and they had to be out for eight games. Like it was so dramatically different that this is definitely a step in the right direction. And I'm a fan. I mean, it is crazy how in our lifetime, our, our, our fandom lifetime, if you don't even count how long we've been alive, but how long we've just been fans of the NFL, because it's an even shorter span. When we first started watching, IR just meant your season was done. And then it mm -hmm. went to one player. Then it went to two players. Then all of a sudden we got only three weeks and all as many as you want. And now they're like, they, they reined it in a little bit. They said no more than eight activations all season must be four games. So it's still way better in the past. And again, it makes the IR spot, IR spot in fantasy a little bit more relevant. So definitely like to see that one. But you mentioned stashing players on your IR. And there was some news that came out in the baseball world that affected the fantasy world. I don't know if you guys are out there. If you're not big baseball fans, hopefully you saw it on Twitter. Um, I don't even know who Tommy Pham plays for, but he uh, he slapped Jacques Peterson uh, pregame over the weekend over a fantasy football fight. George, as the bigger baseball fan of the two of us, why don't you give us a little bit more deep dive into this altercation? Well, it doesn't really have much to do with actual baseball, but they both play outfield. But uh, no, really, it's. It was a situation from apparently back in 2020, which is funnier. I, I when this whole came, thing came out, I thought it was from 2021, but this is apparently way back to 2020, early in the season, early ish in the season, like the World Series was still happening. But Jock Peterson was stashing a player on injured reserve. It had something to do with the 49ers running back. So 
Uh, Jeff Wilson was involved. Raheem Moster got hurt first, got Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson then got stashed too. I'm not 100% sure if that's true. That's all speculation of reporters putting things together. Um, and Tommy Pham, who said something about you're messing with my money, you're trying to manipulate rosters, manipulate the league. Even though this was technically a fair move, he took offense to it and it kind of boiled over this past weekend. I don't know why it took so long. I don't know why it even came back up, but it's also been reported that Tommy Pham did the same thing. So I'm not sure what he thought was different compared to what Jock did, but it's a reminder that fantasy football can get serious, but it should not get serious enough that you're slapping a friend and getting suspended for three games from the MLB. Not that uh, the average person would get suspended by the MLB for three games, but it's not worth it for that. But apparently these guys had a lot of money on the line. And that was a big reason why Tommy Pham took even more offense and it came to this. Yeah, this whole situation is wild to me. And it <laughs> is kind of unfortunate how we've had to piece it together. I know a lot of mm-hmm. what George got back to you is uh, Warren Sharp, who is definitely worth a Twitter follow out there. If you care anything about the football, he's very into the analytics. And he did like a whole Twitter thread of him breaking down on based on sound bites, who he thought it was, when it was. Uh, and that's how we got to the whole Raheem Mostert Jeff Wilson injury in 2020. Um, but that's not even the main point. The fact that, one, I had a lot of money on the line. We're talking like week seven, week eight. Like, what are you in one of those leagues where the highest score gets a part of the pot each week? Or like we said even all the time, yet, one, how much money are you getting for winning a week? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> that's what blows my mind. This wasn't the championship round, it appears. It appears it was in the middle of the season. Um, <laughs> That was the big mind blow for me. But on the other side, like one, he was kind of accused of doing the same thing. And yes, this was a league where you were allowed to place players on your IR spot with an out designation. Well, I believe it was an ESPN league. And I know that changes differently how you play and stuff like that. Uh, And it seems like some of it stemmed that, well, Wilson wasn't technically on the IR yet. Well, if your league allows you to place someone in the out, like, you should never have mm-hmm. someone in your out spot without – if he's out, put him in your IR spot and pick him up. So, I mean, Peterson yeah. seems to be playing by the rules. That's what we preach on fantasy. Like, you win your fantasy leagues on, in the waivers. You win them by making roster moves. You win them by taking advantage of your different your IR designations. We talked about it last week. You know, if there's a, a player that might be suspended for two games – might be suspended for six games, might start the season on PUP when you're drafting and you know you have two IR spots, it's okay to take that guy. Just don't take a kicker in the draft, take someone else, and then move the the guy to the IR spot post-draft, pick up your kicker, and you're you're good to go. So playing fantasy football, using the tools, using within your league rules, we're not asking you to have commissioner settings and change the score to make you in the playoffs, but way to go for Peterson to be able to focus on the MLB playoffs and properly manipulating his uh, fantasy lineups to work what was best for him. Yeah. Amen to that. I mean, I can sometimes barely properly manipulate my multiple fantasy lineups and I'm not playing in the world series at the same time. And those guys went on and won the world series that year. I'm pretty sure. So very interesting, but we're talking about potential suspended players. So we have to talk about Jerry Judy, who we initially um, heard he was facing criminal charges a few weeks back. He now was cleared of those criminal charges, but he still could face discipline from the NFL for his domestic dispute situation. 
Um, it seems like now, if he's not going to face criminal charges, the most he could face is probably, what, a two-game suspension if he has anything, but it, it's definitely a step in the right direction if you're a Jerry Judy owner in Dynasty, if you're looking at him in redrafts, that he could end up actually playing a full season. We'll find out more soon. Absolutely, George. And um, I will say, I, I still expect him to get some sort of suspension whether it's a game or two games, then he appeals it and it goes down to one game. Like that's kind of the NFL seems to like, if you make headlines like he did, you're still going to face some sort of discipline under their personal conduct policy. Um, so that's, that's my speculation. I have no insider knowledge. Um, my guess would be a two game that gets appealed to a one game. Doesn't change how much I'll, you know, move him in my rankings. Uh, you know, players miss one game, two games all the time. I still think I'll have a solid season, uh, but you'll have to wait until in a, for a few weeks when we do wide receiver rankings to figure out if I have him as the number one Broncos wide receiver or not. Ooh, we got a little bit of a teaser there, so make sure you keep listening in in the next few weeks. But other potential suspension news, Deshaun Watson is reportedly facing a 23rd civil lawsuit uh, amid his misconduct assault allegation. Um, I mean, I think his legal situation was semi-cleared, but not completely. Obviously, the Browns thought that he would have a good chance of coming out of this fairly unscathed when they paid him all that money and made that big trade for him. But we still know he's probably facing a suspension. This definitely does not help that. And everything is still very fluid in the Watson situation. Yes, definitely fluid. This is another civil lawsuit that was um, fought against him. So that's an important distinction. Um, and it also was made aware that the person decided to come forward after watching the Real Sports HBO documentary on the Watson situation. So somebody else saw what everybody else had come out and said, and then they decided, you know what, I need to stand up for what uh, for what happened to me. And then they filed a civil lawsuit. Again, we're not going to accuse him of being guilty or innocent until that is all figured out. But it is something to watch. I know we talked about it a lot on the quarterback ranking shows. Our Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. We talked about that on this episode, so stay tuned on his. Um, but, you know, I mentioned I expect him to be suspended for a long time and at least a minimum of eight games. And with another lawsuit, it could be a lot longer. Yes. So we'll hopefully know more before the season, like before your draft season, what it's going to look like for Deshaun Watson. But we're going to talk more about him later in this episode, like Cody said. So I'll leave it there. And we do have some quick free agent updates to hit. First one, not really a free agent update, but the Browns signed franchise tag tight end David Njoku to a huge four-year, 56 and three-quarter million dollar extension. I, 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 this guy wanted out of Cleveland the last I remember because he was not being used properly. And then... They just keep burying him in the depth chart. They still have a bazillion different tight ends on that roster, it seems like. And then now they go out and sign him to this huge contract when he's already through the first four years of his career and has not necessarily produced all that much. This doesn't seem like a really great move for the Browns, but I guess Njoku is happy with staying in Cleveland. And I do think he has the potential, don't get me wrong. But it just seems kind of out of left field for me to pay him over 10 million a year and he hasn't really done all that much in his career thanks to everything the Browns have done you're not wrong George I mean in Joku in a lot of situations would might be considered a draft bust I mean he was drafted at the end of the first round 
never really truly lived up to his expectations. Sometimes was stuck at the third spot on the depth chart, and then he wasn't. They didn't pick up his fifth-year option, but then they franchise-tagged him, and now they signed him to a four-year deal. Now, he is slated to be the starter this year. They did get rid of Austin Hooper, who was in some comparison. They still have young tight end Harrison Bryant there uh, to be like a one-two punch, but Njoku is in line to be the starter. He could be, you know, a breakout tight end candidate because the tight ends are so bad in fantasy football outside of literally like the top four, three, three, yeah. four. Uh, but after that, like Njoku has as much potential as ever. He can finally live up to that first round draft potential. I mean, he's gotten a, a decent second contract. So congrats to him. I don't know what it means for fantasy because he's been such a question mark going or in years past, but what tight end isn't a question mark, not named Travis Kelsey. Fair. I mean, well, I think it's him, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, but I it's it's Kelsey at the top, then the next two. But he's going to fall into the guys that you're drafting when you're drafting a later round tight end, when you're like, I'm not going to go put the stock into those big guys. And he he's ba- majorly boomer bust. But like you said, that's basically every single tight end, it seems like. This money is showing the Browns have confidence in making him work. And sometimes in fantasy, when we don't know a lot, that is something we have to bank on and just hope. And if it's a late round pick, it probably won't hurt your team anyway. But we'll get some more in tight ends even in a few weeks. So another teaser, but moving on to some actual free agent updates. Defensive lineman Akeem Hicks signed a one-year $10 million deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as if they needed another solid defensive lineman, another solid defensive piece in general. So obviously they're going all in and potentially last year, Tom Brady, and this definitely helps. Absolutely. Now, don't get me wrong. Akeem Hicks has passed his prime. He has struggled to stay healthy the last three or four years. Um, So how much of this will actually make a difference? We'll have to wait and see. But he slides right in to replace the Dominican Sue. Him next to Vita Vey, when healthy, is like a duo. Like It'll be hard to run against him for another year. You'll have to pay attention to that. That'll adjust some weekly rankings when Hicks is healthy. Now, that's the big question mark. I know all offseason, as, even as a Packers fan and him being a Chicago Bear, he was a guy that I was like, he makes a ton of sense. Like Any team that is trying to win should go out and sign Akeem Hicks. He's going to want a ring. He doesn't have to be an every-down starter. Just come in, put him in the rotation, let him be a run stuffer, let him produce, keep his snaps maintained, hopefully keep him available all season long. I think that's exactly what Tampa Bay is doing. I think this is a very underrated signing this late in the process. Definitely. We see a lot of rotational defensive lines in today's NFL, and he builds up Tampa Bay to being able to do that. And then some running back news on the week. The Falcons added another running back to their running back room with Jeremy McNichols. McNichols did have a lot of success down the stretch with Tennessee when he was replacing Derrick Henry. That wasn't just him, but potentially somebody who can put up a fight for a starting gig. Not that anyone in that Falcons running back room is exciting, but someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. the other free agent update was running back Daryl Williams, and they're both in the same category. He's Daryl Williams signed with the Cardinals, McNichols to the Falcons. Both guys, you've heard their name before. You've heard in the past. You might even have picked them up on their waiver wire. Nothing right now. They're still going to go undrafted at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. But those are names to keep in mind if, you know, James Conner would get hurt. Okay, well, maybe we're going to pay a little bit more attention to Daryl Williams. Not worthy of being a quote-unquote full-on handcuff. It's not what I'm saying, 
but that's a name, you know, midseason. Don't forget it. Same with Jerry McNichols. You know, if they lose Corderell Patterson, if they lose, I mean, they don't have a lot of people to lose. Maybe the rookie doesn't pan out like we think he might, because even, even though because he was a later round pick, it's a name to watch. He didn't produce the best. I mean, that's why they went to Deontay Foreman. Uh, I know McNichols did deal a little bit with injuries. They had Hillard, so wasn't the best in Tennessee, but he does have some potential. Definitely a pass catcher, so I do think he could be a nice replacement for Cordell Patterson if there was some injury there. But again. Like you don't even not even sure if you want Corderell Patterson. I know he had a really good season last year, but you sure you're still not confident in it. You definitely don't want his backup sitting on your bench. It's not worth it. Exactly. Like guys to keep an eye on, but probably not going to help you. I think I actually like Daryl Williams better than Jeremy McNichols, but Me too. he's in a much more established running back room. Uh, but J- Daryl Williams was a starter over Clyde Edwards Alaire for some points down the stretch and in the playoffs. So He's a capable running back, but he's not like your dominant. He's a starting running back. So just names to keep an eye on. Other thing to keep an eye on. We have a couple of news bits that we know are going to hit day of uh, release here that we're not going to be able to cover. So we're going to do some predictions. How about that, Cody? Hey, I love it. Madden cover is expected to be announced on June 1st. Who is going to be on the Madden cover? Uh... So I'm I'm I think John Madden is going to be on the cover after he mm-hmm. passed last year. I think he's going to be on the cover. Now whether they'll do um you know how last year they did the normal version and then they did the goat edition which yes. I mean still had both of them on the cover yes. so it was more of like a marketing thing. I wonder if they'll do something if they do the goat edition with John Madden and then a player on the the normal edition. So while I think John Madden might just get all of it because that seems like what they're they've been doing is the special edition is still the same player. It might just be a different picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the sake of prediction, I will go ahead and give me the Madden cover announcement, and I think it will be Cooper Cup. Okay, so I'm going to agree with you. I guess on more than one front that. I think it's going to be either just John Madden or it's going to be John Madden plus the other edition is going to have a player. But I was going to go a step further than you and say that because Madden doesn't seem to like making covers without quarterbacks too often, it was going to be a two-player cover of Matt Stafford in Cooper Cup. Hmm, interesting. I, I can see Stafford, that. you know, finally breaking through after he left Detroit. That's a big story. Cooper Cup was a potential MVP last year. I think Madden could do that. Yeah, I think they could definitely pull it away. But I think it's interesting we both picked um, Cooper Cup. I was debating him and Joe Burrow. Uh, if mm-hmm. I was going to go quarterback, I would have went Joe Burrow. But part of me still says it's going to be John Madden, and all these predictions of actual players will not matter. Um, it's going to be Tom Brady, though, for the third straight year, actually. Would not be surprised. Maybe it'll be him in the Fox broadcaster suit and then the John Madden. That's probably what they planned. Him in the, the broadcasting chair oh. and then John Madden in the GOAT edition. And then he or retired. Put them so- side by side because, you know, Madden used to be a uh, a play-by-play announcer too. So you could just be like, we're old, you know, old in the booth, new in the booth. That's true. Very, very true. Um, that's not the only thing that's taking place tomorrow or I should say today, we're recording this the evening prior. That's why I said tomorrow. But on June 1st, the match, Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, or no, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers versus 
Josh Allen and Kermit the Frog, as Aaron Rodgers keeps calling him <laughs> in promo for this, which is Patrick Mahomes, uh, face off in the the unique golf game. It's not a true golf match. It's kind of like a little bit of best ball versus, you know, who can make this putt type of thing. But it's it's a fun time. It's the only time of the year I watch golf because it's NFL players and I know who they are. And there's some rooting interest. There's been a lot of social media back and forth. But George, are the old bucks going to get it or the new young ones? Well, first I'll say I think it's pretty interesting that they made the match this time two players versus two players as opposed to it's recently been player and golfer versus player and golfer. But I don't think that ketchup on steak has anything to do any business being on a golf course. So I'm going to go with the old bucks and say that the guys who have been in the match before Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady will win. You might call me a homer, but I think Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are going to pull it out. One, because I think, so I think this is my like two cents, non-important golf breakdown. Uh, (laughs) I think Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes will look the most comfortable on the the golf course. And then I think Tom Brady and Josh Allen will be the two that are having, quote unquote, the most fun, the most jabs back and forth. Uh, So I think the comp- I think the State Farm boys are going to get a little competitive, and I think Tom Brady and Josh Allen might uh, be a little bit more loose cannon on this. But it's, I think it's going to make great t- TV, and definitely uh, you should check it out. Maybe Not Tom sponsor. Brady, maybe Tom Brady and Josh Allen can get the Patrick Price as they're uh, finishing their round there, but. Yes, that'll wrap up our new segment here. Tyler's going to join us here in a second as we jump into our latest quarterback rankings. We're going 13 to 24. Hopping right into our quarterback rankings here. Part two, we're going 13 to 24. And we start off this week, just like we did last week with, we're all in agreement at number 13. And that is Derek Carr of the Raiders. I'll have him at 13. Guys, why do you have him right here at the beginning of the QB2 range? Because he's a good quarterback still. I mean, he looks like Sid, which I'm sure Snyder got mad that he didn't get to say that one because I probably stole it from him. Uh, so there is some like doubts like, hey, you got to take it. But he's letting his hair grow out a little bit, probably to you know combat that. Uh, but he got his best friend at wide receiver. He was already top five in passing yards last year. Like, this is another great example of why waiting on a quarterback as well. Hunter Renfro, he was a top five wide receiver for parts of last year. Why? Derek Carr was throwing in the ball. So, Derek Carr, solid option. If you don't get him in your draft, make sure you pick him up on the waiver wire. Yeah, Hunter Renfro, man, that guy, he he gets to me. I had enough complaints about him last season because he looks like, you know, an uncle at a barbecue. But uh, that's... Besides the point, yeah, Derek Carr is solid. I mean, he puts up points every week. He's not he's not the pretty option. He's not the quarterback you're, like, excited to take. Um, no one's like, oh, dude, sneaky, sneaky pick. I'm going to win my league. I got Derek Carr. Uh, <laughs> no one's going to say that. Not one person. Um, however, if you have Derek Carr as your number two, I mean, I guess if you can have him as your number one and then just have another quarterback that's decent uh, shortly after it. But uh, if you have him as your number two quarterback, you're not going to be upset with it. If your number one goes down, uh, he's a guy you're comfortable having to slot in there. Uh, or, you know, if you take somebody that we've mentioned in last week's episode, feel free to go back and watch that. But if we you take somebody that we mentioned in last week's episode that we're like, hey, you kind of have to play the matchups. Hey, maybe his matchups are good. Um 
it's not a bad option. Derek Carr, again, not a league winner, but a solid quarterback. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if there's too much more I have to say, except, yeah, matchup-based starter. Pair him with somebody in the later rounds here and could, you know, easily pilot your team right to a fantasy championship. Let's move on to number 14 just here right away. We're going to talk about Kirk Cousins. And I have him the lowest of this group. I have him down as my 16th quarterback. You both have him at 14. So Cousins, as long as he's playing on a Sunday afternoon, I guess he's all right. Honestly, he is very comparable to Derek Carr. It's just because he's not flashy, I kind of have some guys who I think could break out and, you know, be those, you know, this year's next big thing quarterback over him in my rankings. It's not that the fact that I have him at 16 is like, oh, well, he shouldn't even be touched. He's most likely going to hit your waiver wire out of the draft. It's just happened in the last few years, and he's going to be a bi-week fill and a solid one for another team because it's every single year it seems to be the same exact script for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, he was a top 12 quarterback last year. He finished as quarterback 11, so he has quarterback one potential. He probably has the best group of weapons of the guys left, you know, whether that's, you know, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, they'll get Irv Smith Jr. back. Like he has pieces around him. He's going to put up yards. He's gonna, he's a pretty efficient quarterback. He doesn't commit a lot of turnovers. Um, it's not the prettiest, but it's a solid guy and reliable. He's a, like a, a solid streaming option every week. If you need a guy to fill in your bye week, like you feel pretty confident going up with Kirk or going with Kirk Cousins. So, I mean, right here at fourteen, borderline quarterback one, feel makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and. You know, if we're talking, you know, a little bit of a different strategy, I love having the quarterback and wide receiver one pair ups in fantasy. It's nice to get those double points when they score that touchdown to the main guy. So if you have Stefan Diggs, it's nice to have Josh Allen. If you have Keenan Allen, it's nice to have Justin Herbert. If you go out and get Justin Jefferson, maybe take Kirk Cousins late. I mean, Jefferson's going to get the ball. So. You're talking about every time he catches the ball, you're getting double points. You're getting the points from the receiver and the quarterback. Every time Justin Jefferson is grittying into the end zone, you're getting those double points. It's a nice little uh, combo to have. So uh, he's not a bad snag late if you're a Jefferson owner. Yeah, I mean, definitely as long as you pair him with somebody that if they're playing on a, a Sunday or a Monday night, I don't want to touch Kirk Cousins, even though I think that stat might be starting to even out. But uh you're right. I think at some point we're going to have to talk about stacks here. So putting that one into the bank of uh, things to talk about later. I can move us on here to number 15, and it is Tua. And I'm still not going to say his last name because we have not said his last name on this podcast yet, and we are going to refuse to until we are desperately you know, forced to. Very high variance for the first time. I think this is the highest variance guy we've had in our rankings so far. Cody has Tua at 17, Tyler down at 19, and I am all the way up at 14. I went first on Cousins, so I'm going to let one of you guys go first on this. I'd rather you go first. Sorry. You want me to go first? Yeah, I want to see why you have him at 14. (laughs) This, I view Tua in his situation as the exact same situation as Jalen Hurts. Obviously, by how far down he is in my rankings, he's not the exact same as Jalen Hurts. But if he is going to do it, in the NFL, it is this year with this set of weapons. They went out and got him Tyree Kill. He has everything he could ask for in an offense. So 
this is me being optimistic and saying this offense is going to make him better. He is going to make Miami contender and he is going to be a decent fantasy quarterback because of it. That's bold. When did you switch to Snyder? Right. Like, like don't get me wrong. Like I like Tua. he seems like a great guy. Like, you know, he might, you know, give you a, he might give you a 25 point week one week or something like that. But he is not a guy you're going in, you know, because we're talking right now, we're talking backups and we're talking buy spot fills. And obviously a lot of buy spot fills is matchup dependent, but Tua isn't a guy that you can, because you just don't trust him to, you know, be an elite down the field passer. You don't expect him to walk into a game and get 300 passing yards. Yes, he has Tyreek Hill now. Yes, he has Jalen Waddle who had over 100 receptions as a rookie. They, those are nice pieces. Like I like both of those pieces as primary options in your fantasy lineup and you're like well if you like both of them how come you don't like to it because i think literally they're going to produce a lot with the ball in their hands whether that's on you know it's not going to be all end end rounds but they're going to be required just you know take a slant 70 yards yes he'll get the passing yards for that but that's how they're going to convert in this offense it's nothing against to he seems like a great guy um but i'm not even as low on him as snyder is Look, I'm sorry, but anytime you have to start talking about the personality of the player, you know we're talking <laughs> trash on them uh, for fantasy or their ability. Like, he's probably really nice, but uh, yeah, no, at that point, we're talking smack. Um, I think Tua's garbage. I mean, I, I wanted to like Tua a lot fantasy-wise. I'm sure he has a great personality, winning smile. But um, as far as fantasy goes, I don't like him. I don't think... like. I'm sorry, but we cannot ignore the video that was posted of Tua throwing the deep ball to Tyreek Hill. That was in practice. There was no rushers. I wasn't going to bring it up. There was no defensive coverage. Obviously, there was nothing. Miami left the video up. It was just practice, and this dude could not hit Tyreek Hill on a deep ball in practice with nothing else going on. He severely underthrew it, and yet... Uh, Miami left the video up for no reason, and it has been the talk of the town. I don't think Tua has the arm to get it to uh, Tyreek to really utilize his strengths. Um, yes, Tua might be able to put up some decent points some weeks because he throws the short slant to Tyreek, and Tyreek just makes 18 people miss on his way to the end zone. We've seen that plenty of times before. It's possible, but uh, I just don't trust him. I don't. When it comes to fantasy, Unless it's a guy that I think has that potential to give me 40 or five, I don't like the risk. I don't, I want consistency, especially drafting around this time. I would rather have the guy like the Kirk Cousins, who I know is going to put up, you know, 15 points every week. No, he's not going to get me the 25, 30 points, but I know he's getting me 15. Uh, Tua could get me five every week. He might put up like 20, 25 one week max, but that's not enough of a reward for me to want to take a chance on him. I'm out on Tua. I mean, Tua's got a, uh, got Snyder's Madden offense around him, honestly. And it's, uh, it's a really good run after catch offense, which like you mentioned, give it to Tyreek on a slant. He takes it to the house. Jalen Waddle can obviously do the same exact thing. And we'll see if that actually benefits, but you're talking about inconsistency. And our next guy on the list is Trey Lance, who, I mean, first off, we have to say he still might not even be the starter. We don't really know the situation with Jimmy Garoppolo. We're projecting him as the starter. You're very high on Trey Lance compared to us. You have him at 15. Cody and I have him at 18. Nope. You... I'm at oh, 15. Oh, sorry. I'm reading this backwards. Cody, never mind. You're off the hook, Tyler. You have him at 15. 
Tyler and I have him at 18. That is very high for a guy who we're not even quite sure is going to be the starting quarterback and has a lot of question marks going around him in camp saying they don't really love his progression so far. Yeah, I mean, one, I mean, I'm seeing stuff of, you know, teammates praising him and stuff like that, but we're talking OTAs, we're talking guys in shorts, like, let me see preseason, let me see training camp. That's why these are early rankings. And yeah, I'm projecting Trey Lance to be the starter. And you compared Tua to Jalen Hurts because of the situation. And I'm going to compare Trey Lance to Jalen Hurts because he is a (laughs) running quarterback that I actually think probably has a better arm than Jalen Hurts. But he does. He might not be. He might not even start week one. I still think he will, unless Diva Samuel demands that Jimmy Gre- Jimmy G is the quarterback for me to play this year. Like unless he gets like that. Some of the like they're going to let Jimmy G be the backup, and then they're going to they're going to roll with Trey Lance. They get three first round picks last year to get him. Like this is their guy. We did see him in action. It wasn't you know we saw him in the Wildcat. He scored a touchdown in week in week two is it really he, the wildcat if it's actually a quarterback out there let, let me just ask that question first off sure it's probably not it's probably just a read option <laughs> at that point but he did start in three games in those three games he had 20 points 14 points and 19 points so those are solid outputs for a quarterback uh in limited action in the game where he only had 14 points he had 89 rushing yards so like he balanced it out with rushing yards because his passing wasn't on par for that day the other games, he had a lot more passing options. We saw in week 17, this very, feels very similar to what we saw with Patrick Mahomes. I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes by any means, but we saw you know a strong week 17 after Alex Smith led them to the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes came in the next year, and he was a star. Not saying he's going to hit that ceiling, but it feels like a very similar situation and getting a guy late like, if I'm drafting, I'm probably going to take Trey Lance over a guy like Kirk Cousins because of the upside, but I still rank Kirk Cousins higher because I think it's a safer pick, if that makes sense. I know it's kind of backwards thinking, but long-term, like I want the upside because he Trey Lance could be a top 12 quarterback. I don't see that for Kirk Cousins unless it's right at 12, but I also understand the risk of Trey Lance falling to outside the top 20. All right, fair enough. I'm good with that. Let's go ahead and move on to the next guy. Uh, Next guy is, you know, we're a little bit closer than we were on Trey Lance, but uh, now we're talking about, uh, I have him at 16. George and Cody have him at 19. A guy who had a rough year last year, despite the fact that we were expecting big things, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Uh, This is another guy. I think it's in the same boat as Trey Lance, except we got to see more from Trevor Lawrence last season. It's a a rookie that we expected a lot from last season, and he just didn't live up. Trey Lance in the sense that he had very limited starts, and when he did have starts, he didn't perform well, and he wasn't the starter all season. Trevor Lawrence started. He just didn't get it done. Now, we're talking about he gets his best friend, Travis Etienne, back this year, so that's another weapon there. Uh, They did lose DJ Chark, although they didn't have him last year. I just, I like what Trevor Lawrence, I I like what he did in college. I think that he has been consistent his entire life. Uh, He has never been inconsistent until he hit the NFL. I understand some people don't adapt to the NFL the same way um, as they did in college and high school and all that. But at the same time, Trevor Lawrence is a winner. He always has been a winner. He always has been a successful quarterback. 
he had some rookie growing pains. I mean, he was on the Jags. If I was on the Jags, I would suck too. Uh, that's just what they do. That's what they're born to do. Uh, but I think he's going to figure it out. I think he's going to put up some points. He's not a guy that I love, not a guy that I would want to start, but he's a backup quarterback that I would trust um, to sit my bench in case my starter went down. Um, and a guy who does have potential to get some bigger points later in the season. So that's why I have him at 16. I think you're just going like a half a step further than I am with Trevor Lawrence. Like I have him at 19. Basically what that's saying is like, I wouldn't really want to draft him, but he's somebody I'm keeping an eye on the waiver wire for, because I think he does have that potential to be a lot better than last year to break out in the second half, be somebody who can be your bye week fill in, maybe be a matchup based starter later. But I don't have the fate in that enough for me to say, I'm going to actually draft him as my backup quarterback. So you're very similar despite having him only like three, you know, three rankings higher than I do. I'm just not quite ready to draft him where you're ready to draft him, but we have similar thoughts. Yeah. I mean, he's got to prove it to me. Like I, I think he has a ton of talent. He's not a guy I'm drafting. Like he could be a top waiver wire pickup come week two, week three. Like I wouldn't be surprised. I think he has the talent, um, but I just have to see it first. That's why he's pretty low for me. Still a quarterback too. I mean, if you're in a two quarterback league, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, standard scoring or standard league setups with one quarterback. If you're in a two quarterback league, you're going to get one of those top guys and circling that back with the Trevor Lawrence. That's a great option. But um, in terms of a one quarterback guy, he's he won't be drafted in most of your leagues, in my opinion. Yeah, and now I think that will move us on to number 18 and even bigger question mark. And that's pretty much shown by our variance here. Deshaun Watson, the new Cleveland Browns quarterback. Tyler has him all the way up at 15. I have him at 17. Cody down at 24. Uh, I'll just ask first, is this Tyler optimism that he is going to play almost a full season where you have him up at 15? Because if you can tell me he's only missing two games, he's going way up higher than 17 for me. Yeah. Yeah, this is optimism that he's going to play a lot. Uh, and even if he misses games, like I think that this is – a quarterback that we're talking about has been like a top 10 quarterback every year he's played. Um, we're also talking about my quarterback 15. So in my opinion, still a backup quarterback, still not my number one. Now let's say he doesn't play and really only takes off in the second half of the year. Fine. You're talking about a former uh, top quarterback, a former top five, a former top 10 quarterback coming in at the fantasy playoffs. And you know, potentially being the guy he used to be, that's value. Uh, as in my number two quarterback, if I'm taking a top quarterback, let's say I grab a Joe Burrow, a Dak Prescott, one of those guys, and I, I can ride with them for the first half of the year and be totally fine. And then you give me a potential top 10 quarterback sliding in in the second half of the year, the fantasy playoffs into Sean Watson. Uh, somebody else has some injuries going down. I can trade a Joe Burrow for a great wide receiver and still have this top quarterback in Deshaun Watson. Boom. I just won the league. Uh, I think the potential for this guy is so much bigger than the other guys down here, which makes his value so much higher. Yes, it is absolutely bust potential. And I know I talked about if I'm taking a backup, I want consistency. But I did say if I'm taking a backup, I want consistency unless the boom is big enough to take the risk. And I think Watson's definitely uh, big enough to take the risk, in my opinion. Um I am the hot takes guy, so maybe that is why I'm so high, but that's just the way I'm looking at him. I think he has that potential to be a league winner at the end of the season. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm on the opposite. Like, I I don't think what you're saying is wrong by any means. Like, he could be a league winner, and but I on the opposite. I think he suspended at least eight games, if not longer. Like, if he was out for the whole year, I would not be surprised. Like, that's where I'm where I'm at with the situation. I mean, there's been some rumblings. Like, we saw with the uh, I can't think of the baseball player that just got suspended for two seasons. Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Now, granted, they're different situations and stuff like that. Uh, but what they did for a domestic violence case, what this is with all the, you know, the actions, whether it was, came out in court, it's still a personal or a conduct policy in the NFL. So they don't have to rule based on what the court says. They do it if it's detrimental to their league. So I could see this being a long-term expense, you know, suspension. And that's why he's at 24 for me. He's right there at quarterback too. If he only misses two games, I'm with you. He's, he's moving up on my fantasy rankings. Like, He'll be top 12. Like, I'm not going to lie. But I think he misses a lot of time. But I will say this. A lot of these guys, after, you know, Derek Carr, like, I'm not drafting. Like, I'll let them – I'll play the waiver wire for them. Deshaun Watson, I would draft, especially if your league has a suspension spot or you're allowed to put suspension on IR. I'm going to – if you have kickers in your league, which you shouldn't, but most of you do, don't draft a kicker. Take Deshaun Watson with your last pick. And put him on your suspension spot. You don't even have to drop someone for a kicker. And now you have the potential if he is only suspended six games, eight games. Like, you have the second half. Now, granted, he didn't play at all last year. So we're projecting what we saw from him two seasons ago. That is another reason why I do have him a little bit lower. Yes, uh, but think- before you go, George, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I just fine. wanted to say another thing is you're talking about he might miss the whole season for suspension, and we don't know yet. Fine. Uh, but we also just talked the person before him was Trevor Lawrence, where we all agreed not the most beautiful of names, maybe not a league winner, but a solid uh, quarterback, too. But we also agreed he's probably not getting drafted. So you're telling me you can get a potential league winner at the end of your draft into Sean Watson and wait. And then once you find out, hey, he's not suspended for the full season. Cool. You just got the steal of the draft, but he is suspended for the full season. Cool. Drop him and pick up a guy like Trevor Lawrence or one of these other guys right around here we're about to mention, and you're still getting a solid quarterback, too. I I think the backup quarterback market is so deep that it really cannot hurt you in any way to draft Deshaun Watson, especially at the end of your draft. Yeah, and I think Cody redeemed himself slightly by saying that Deshaun Watson should be someone you're drafting as a flyer at the end of the draft. Because when you had him down at 24, I'm thinking, this guy's avoiding him at all costs, and it doesn't make sense to me because of what everything Tyler said. I agree with that. And that's why I have him at 17, because maybe there won't be 17 quarterbacks drafted. That's a little bit high. It's probably more like, what, 14, 15? But he should be going in the last two rounds of your draft because of that potential. It happened last year and we had, we were even more pessimistic about him playing last year than we are this year. I was almost ready to run a game with you guys and we can still do it if you want to, how many games Watson suspended and where you would rank him. So like you said, eight games, you have him down at 24, but really it's probably more like 15 if you're considering how many players you draft. Correct. Well, one, I don't like to take a, if you're suspended, I think it also depends too. If we're going to do, you know, this this game, does your league allow roster spots for a suspended player? Like Fair. if it does, if it takes up a roster spot, I, I understand the value, and you know, some people might disagree with this, but I'm not going to hold Deshaun Watson for eight to twelve weeks. And again, th- these are early rankings too, so I fully expect by the time you're drafting, if you're a smart league, like we mentioned all the time, drafting in August 
we'll have clarity on what the situation will be, whether he's appealing it, whether he's been suspended for eight games, 12 games, six games, four games. We'll have clarity by that point. And these rankings will be adjusted. For me, the amount of games I'm expecting, I'm expecting an eight-game minimum, not eight-game maximum. So I think it's going to be at least eight games with potential of being 12 to a full season. So that's why he's so low for me. Four four weeks of Deshaun Watson, if I don't have the, the roster spot to put him on a way where it actually doesn't hurt me, like that's not worth the value. Like I'll, maybe I'll try to pick him up three weeks earlier at something at that point if I wanted to take a flyer on him. It is a new team. It is a guy that hasn't played for a while. So I think there's a lot of big question marks outside of the whole situation that he's in. But I don't think you're wrong by saying either like, he could be a steal of drafts if he is only suspended for eight games and you do have that IR spot that allows suspended players. Okay. I think that pretty much clarifies what we were trying to go with Deshaun Watson. I'm sure our rankings that come out, not the early rankings, will have a lot more clarity. We move on to number 19, and that would be Bears quarterback Justin Fields. Another high-variance guy where Cody has him down at 25, Tyler at 17, and me all the way up at 15. So he's probably one of the last quarterbacks to be drafted as your quarterback too. And I think I'm just going by boom potential and the chance that he has to break out. Like him and Tua were very close in my rankings. I obviously was higher on Tua than them guys too. I had him at 14. That section of my draft was guy was guys that I would draft at the end of a draft that have the ability to make that big jump earlier in their career but they're high boom, high bust. I'm hoping I'm not relying on them because I have a solid quarterback one to go with them, but I'm holding on to them in case they end up being even better than that guy or they become trade bait later or something like that. Yeah, I think Justin Fields is a talented quarterback. He's a guy that I have at 17 because of his potential. Uh, He is a mobile quarterback. That is a cheat code. If he can really start putting that together and get some passing going on too, I think he'll be great. Um, He is a guy that burned me last year because I was hoping he would break out and it did not quite work out. I think he might still be a year away, which sounds crazy since I have him ranked at 17, uh, which I guess it's really not that high, but it does seem high. I think next year he'll be great. This season, I think, He's still going to have his growing pains. It's going to, still going to take him some time to figure out. Uh, in a dynasty league, I would, by all means, go out and snag Justin Fields. I would trade for Justin Fields uh, while his value is lower. I would do whatever I can to get Fields in a dynasty league. In a redraft, I don't hate taking a chance on Fields at the end of my draft. Um, but at the same time, if there is somebody else available, or if you would rather ride the waiver wire for your quarterback too, I'm also fine passing on him. But I do like the upside. I mean, I guess I'm just the indifferent one. And I hope you're right about him, you know, breaking out next year because he I spent a first round pick with him in our main dynasty league last year as a quarterback. And this year, like, I think the Bears are a top two pick next year. I think they're a terrible team. They didn't do anything to put any weapons around them. Uh, they lost Allen Robinson. They replaced him with Brian Pringle and Equinemia St. Brown. Like, and Brian Pringle's having his own issues. Justin Fields started in 10 games last year. Five of those, he scored less than 10 points. Like, I love Justin Fields coming out and what he did last year, the way he looked last year, what the Bears did this offseason to put more pieces around him. 
I am not excited for Justin Fields. And I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Like I mentioned, I spent a first round pick on him last year in a dynasty league. So I hope I'm wrong with him, but is I think the bears are a bottom pick. And if they are a bottom pick in terms of dynasty, like they could be looking at another quarterback because the quarterback class is so good next year. So he's a tough guy all around. Um, hopefully he, uh, he improves some, he does have a little bit of rushing ability, uh, that could, you know, might be able to save him for, you know, fantasy reasons, but yeah, he's not even a top two quarterback, a quarterback or a backup for me. I think that's the first guy that we've had outside of our like rankings we're talking about in this because I'm down at 25 here. But let's move on to number 20 on the list, and that is Matt Ryan, who Cody is very bullish on compared to us two. So I'm just going to go right back to you. You have him all the way up at 16 compared to Tyler and I's 21. What makes Matt Ryan different than these last two guys we've talked about? I think I think Matt Ryan, well, one, I think Matt Ryan is still a solid quarterback. He didn't have the best season last year in Atlanta. I'll admit that. Um, you know, they've gotten some pieces. I like what they added in Alex Pierce and Jelani Woods to add to that offense. They have Jonathan Taylor. And if you look last year at quarterbacks, you know, Carson Wentz was number 13. And he's going in, he's replacing Carson Wentz. And I think Matt Ryan with an offensive line around him, weapons can distribute the ball. You know, it's again, it's not a sexy pick. It's not a great pick, but it's an option that he'll be, you know, matchup dependent, whether you're willing to start him or not. You know, Philip Rivers, two years ago, he had his games where you were willing to start him. Same thing. It's a guy who's put up points in the past. He can throw it for 300, 350 yards, get a couple touchdowns, like, they're still going to go through Jonathan Taylor, uh, but he's like, he's a safe option. You know, he's going to get me 12 to 16 points. I don't expect 25 from him, but I might just need that 12 to 16. Yeah. Uh, I don't like Matt Ryan uh, in fantasy. He's definitely not draftable for me personally. Um, you know, I'm just going to throw out some names here. You ready for this? All right. So uh, okay. Nick Foles. All right. Carson Wentz, Trevor Semyon, Taylor Heineke, Tua, Jared Goff, Big Ben, um, all of which, oh, and Geno Smith, all of which averaged more points last season than Matt Ryan. Fun fact. Uh, now I understand that is last season. It is a new team. It is a new scheme. It is a different season. But uh, Matt Ryan has done nothing but regress the last few years. Um, I, I don't love him as a fantasy quarterback. I do have him very closely ranked to Ryan Tannehill uh, personally, because I do think they're both similar. They're both older quarterbacks who are not flashy on a run first team and run first team quarterbacks are not fun to have. They're frustrating because you just want points from your guy, but you know, that ball is going to the running back first every time. Um, And it's not the kind of guy I want on my team. Only reason I put Tannehill up there. uh, Well, we'll get to Tannehill later. So I'll talk about him later, but Right now, Matt Ryan just, he has no mobile ability too on top of it. He just doesn't have anything that gets me like, you know what? He might get me some points this week. Um, Yeah. You can almost argue his weapons are better than last year's though, which is the only reason that somebody I think could say like Matt Ryan could have a bit of a rise coming up. Like the run game's definitely better. You can go with that. The past, the the receiving options, I mean, when you consider he played most of the season without Calvin Ridley, are just as good or better, maybe even two. Like, he was, he had one player, and it was Kyle Pitts, really. That was actually notable. So, 
that's the only reason I could see that he would do better. But I have him down at 21 like Tyler because it doesn't excite me. He could be a great bye week fill if you have the right matchup in that situation. He's not someone I'm keeping on my roster long term unless he comes out and absolutely surprises me. And I don't see it happening, obviously. So let me put it this way. I don't think he's any better at all than Philip Rivers was for the Colts two seasons ago. Um, and I did not want Philip Rivers on my team at that time either. I think they're the same value and I, I didn't want him then. So I don't want Matt Ryan now. Philip Rivers was a top court. He was a quarterback one. He finished 11th. So, and I still didn't want him on my team. I'd never had him in my starting lineup. Did you have Philip Rivers at that time? Were you starting him? I don't know. I, wa- I didn't have him on my team, but that doesn't take away the fact that he still put up quarterback one numbers. So, what if again, if you don't like the guy, you don't like the guy, you're not going to play with him. But if we're talking, you know, from a statistical standpoint, Philip Rivers was a top quarterback when he was there two years ago. I think Carson or not Carson Wentz, he was the guy last year. Uh, Matt Ryan can be just as good in that system as Philip Rivers. And you could argue that the weapons are better because they have year three, Jonathan Taylor. They have year two, Michael Pittman. They added Alex Pierce in the second round. Like they have a solid defense. Like this is, We've seen what he's done in the past. Like, again, we're talking quarterback 16, or that's where I had him, but realistically, we're talking 20 on our board. Like, again, and not being drafted, but they play the Jags twice a year. They play the Texans twice a year. Like, it's not like he's not a bad streaming option either. I hear you. I hear you. He's not a guy I'm going to roster anywhere, most likely, but uh, I do understand your points here. I mean, at this point of the draft, I, I'm cool with not having a backup quarterback if this is the options remaining um and just playing the waiver wire if i really need somebody um the only reason i would get one of these guys as my number two quarterback and that goes for matt ryan or any of the following guys on our list um would be because i drafted a starting quarterback late if i really just said no quarterbacks and i let it all go and people were drafting backups early and it was a weird league and i'm talking about my number one quarterback being a guy like tua or trey lance or trevor lawrence if something like that happens then yeah i I want another quarterback and if matt ryan's best guy on the board i'm stashing him but otherwise i'm cool playing the waiver wire here and even with him ranked at 16 cody knowing the kind of person you are you're probably cool with playing the waiver wire too absolutely i was gonna say you know, we're talking a lot about these quarterbacks in this one, and I'm a big proponent of only having one quarterback on your roster. Now, if you want to take a flyer on a rookie or something like that, you think that could really break out, sure. But I really am like, get your quarterback late, get your solid one, uh, whether that's a Matt Stafford or Tom Brady or someone like that, and then just play the waiver wire on their bye weeks because like, you're unless something drastically happens, you're not starting – Trevor Lawrence over Matt Stafford ever. So for me, it's kind of a waste of a roster spot. I understand what they're saying. If you only, if you get stuck with Trevor Lawrence and an, as your quarterback one, yeah, then you might want a second one. So you're not fighting the waiver wire, but still I'm a big proponent of a single quarterback league, only having one quarterback. Yeah. And I mean, these rankings are obviously for any listeners that are have a two quarterback league as well. So we're going to keep going, but um, I'm looking at guys who could be great bye week fills at this point. I think I did move a lot of those young guys who have breakout potential higher in my rankings because of the whole, like, if I'm going to take them, it's going to be because there's a reason like that. But this next guy, I actually think could be a little bit of a sneaky guy to watch on your waiver wire. Number 21 on our list is Jameis Winston. 
Uh, Cody and I both have him at 20, Tyler at 22. Now, I only say that because I think people forget how good he was playing last year before he got injured. Like the Saints themselves, the team were playing well, but he had a couple of sneaky fantasy weeks where he was on our waiver wire articles on the couchgems.com. Like this guy, if you're in trouble for a quarterback because of a bad matchup, because of an injury, something, he was a guy who could have filled in and done decent. And while there's a lot of question marks coming out of the injury, they built a good offense around him now in New Orleans. If he's going to succeed at any point in his career now, this is another sky where it's like, this is the time it's going to happen. And he's going to throw a ton of interceptions. He's like a discount um, Matt Stafford, really. But Jameis Winston has the chance to put up some solid weeks in relief, uh, the bye week fill, whatever, just because we know he has the ability to throw 35, 40 touchdowns in a season. You're not wrong. Like, he's he's 20 for me because of the potential PUP and missing the first six weeks. Like, if he's back week one, like, he is that borderline guy. Yes, he's going to have some high-variance games where he throws, you know, four picks. But they've added pieces around him. They were winning last year. Like, the Saints, as fans, like, we're kind of like, the Saints, like, what are they going to do this year? The Saints, this team, they think they're going to win this year. And they're going to compete with the Buccaneers in the NFC. So, Jameis Winston, if he, you know, when you're drafting, it's like, oh, it looks like he's going to start week one. He might be a guy worth taking at the end if you if you wait to the very end for a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I don't have much else to add. I don't, again, it's not a flashy pick. It's not a league winner. But uh, if you're in a two-quarterback league, you could do a lot worse than Jameis Winston as your number two quarterback. Yeah, I think that can move us on. We have three guys left on the list. Number 22 is Ryan Tannehill. You seemed excited to talk about Ryan Tannehill before. So, Tyler, lead us off. You have met 20 on your rankings. Yeah, it's not It's not that I'm excited to talk about him. Look, I know I'm a Titans fan, so you're probably thinking I'm going to be like, oh, Ty- Ryan Tannehill, let me tell you. Sneaky <laughs> league winner. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, Tannehill sucks as a fantasy quarterback. It He's frustrating. It, the ball goes to Derrick Henry. It, it's what happens. Um and you know what's going to happen, and it's still going to happen, and Tannehill's not awesome. But uh, I just wanted to talk him compared to Matt Ryan. Now, Tannehill is not exactly – I know he has the nickname Wheels in Tennessee. It doesn't mean he's actually great with his legs, but this dude actually has more rushing touchdowns than Lamar Jackson over the past three years. Fun fact. Uh Tannehill scores touchdowns He with his legs. he's. It's mostly because they fake the handoff to Derrick Henry and it leaves the entire side of the field open so you can just scramble it on in. But uh, the dude is going to get some rushing touchdowns. He's still going to pass the ball. Uh, he's not going to put up big numbers. He doesn't have A.J. Brown anymore, so there goes a lot of the numbers he was getting. But, you know, he does have Traylon Burks if the conditioning's okay. Uh, he does have Robert Woods still. He has Austin Hooper. He's going to do something through the air. He's still going to give you some points. Again, not a flashy pick, not a league winner, but uh, definitely, again, just like I said with Jameis Winston, you could do worse as a quarterback too in a two-quarterback league. Yeah, I mean, he's somebody who was actually a borderline QB one two seasons ago. Last year was not the greatest, but the Titans were decimated for a while. Obviously, the writing's on the wall. He's not going to be in Tennessee much longer, it seems like. He is definitely not the flashiest quarterback. But the fact that he did have a borderline QB one season two years ago makes me think that 
you could do worse and there is a chance that he does catch some magic if his weapons around him can get better conditioned and uh get healthy yeah i mean i, I he burned me last year because i i bought into the the tanner wheels thing snyder uh but he he has potential like it's no guarantee that he's not you know still there i know it doesn't seem likely at this point that he's back you know after this season but if he balls out like they'll keep him around and he has that potential we'll have to wait and see what he does the lack of weapons outside of derrick henry which isn't really a weapon for a quarterback anyways in terms of fantasy does scare me um which is why he's down here uh but again these guys that we're talking about now they're all shots in the dark or i mean they still play the jags so that could be a streamable week that week if your main quarterback is on by Yeah, I don't, if no one else had anything to add here, we can move on to Tyler's favorite player in the league, Jared Goff. But surprisingly, Tyler is not the highest out of us on Jared Goff. Cody has him up at 18, showing there must think there's a lot of potential in that Detroit offense. Tyler at 23, me at 25. Is it the weapons around him, Cody? Why at 18? Yeah, I mean, the weapons are a big thing. I mean, we saw Amra St. Brown break out at the end of last season. They went at a DJ Chark, a young wide receiver that we liked. Yes, he's coming off of a pretty serious injury, but he's a solid weapon. They traded up to get Jamison Williams. I mean, they're hoping that he plays right away. Yes, it's a big quarterback. They still have TJ Hawkinson, a top tight end in the league. Don't forget DeAndre Swift and jo- Jamal Williams in the backfield. So I actually really like the Detroit offense. Um, and then if you look at last year, he didn't have the best season. He was rated pretty low. Uh, but if you break the, the seasons in half, the second half of last season looked a lot better. And then the last quarter of the season um, that he played, he did miss weeks uh, 16 and 17. So if you, the last four games in that season, he had 17 or more points, three of those four games. He didn't, he only threw two interceptions since week eight last year. So he started to like, get, feel like he got comfortable in that offense. They've added more pieces around him. Uh, so I'm surprised Snyder isn't a little bit higher. Maybe he wanted, he was a little afraid to uh, put him too high because of all the slack we gave him last year for saying where he is compared to Matt Stafford. But yeah, I like Jared Goff. I think Detroit would be a lot of fun teams. And then back to what we said on last week's show, or not last week's show, a couple shows ago, um, I think we'll see a lot progress when they're on hard knocks this year as well, seeing a up close person, different perspective, uh, so I do like Jared Goff as, you know, a quarterback two option in your two quarterback leagues. I really, really hope that Jared Goff is a top 10 quarterback this year. Uh, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying I think he will be a top 10 quarterback. I'm not even saying he has the potential to be a top 10 quarterback. I am just saying I really hope he is a top 10 quarterback this year. I would love to see Goff ball out. Um, and honestly, like Cody said, I like the weapons in Detroit. I really think the Detroit offense is going to be fun to watch. Um, if they can really start putting those pieces together, they could steal some games from some better teams um, with those pieces. And I think you could do a lot worse than Jared Goff. I mean, I know I keep saying that for these guys, but uh, Jared Goff proved he can be a startable fantasy quarterback when he was with the Rams. And uh, last year, with Detroit, he still had some games where, look, it even had guys like us looking at the waiver wire like, do I do I really pick up Jared Goff and stream him this week? Like, he just put up so many points last week. Do I actually do this? 
he's he's got that potential. He can put up those big weeks every now and then. Uh, the biggest problem with Jared Goff, and the reason I have him low, it's not because of the slack. It's because you can't predict it. Uh, I feel like Jared Goff is one of those guys that is going to put up random big points on a week that he's not supposed to. It's not going to be the week where it's, uh, oh, look, it's the Jags versus the Lions. Oh, let's stream Jared Goff. No, that's not going to be the week that he does it. It's going to be the week that it's, oh, look, it's the Jags versus the Bucks, or I mean the Lions versus the Bucks, and out of nowhere, uh, Goff is just going to put up like 35 points and go crazy, and everyone's going to be like, what was that? That's going to be the week he does it. And you guys are nodding a little bit. You know I'm telling the truth here. And mm-hmm. that's why I have Goff low, because you will not be able to predict when, predict when he has his big weeks. But with those off, those offensive weapons, he has the potential to have the big weeks. It's funny Man. that you... No, go ahead, say, Cody. I was going to say, it's funny that you say that, because his three biggest games last year were against San Francisco, which he put up almost 29 points. Green Bay, which 18 and a half. <laughs> And he followed that up with a 17 game as well. And then Arizona, he had over 20 points. So like three playoff teams balled out against, but then you, you get to teams like Pittsburgh, he had under five points. Like, yes, their defense yep. is good, but that team struggled like nobody could score. So definitely a, a solid argument there. But George, I cut you off. No, I was basically going to say, like, I completely, Snyder took the words right out of my mouth. It's just the inconsistency. And it's going to be such a weird thing talking about Jared Goff, because I think Detroit's going to have a decent amount of weapons that are ranked fairly highly at the running back position, the wide receiver position, even the tight end position. But then their quarterback is going to be like sitting way down here at like, oh, he's barely cracking our top 24. And it's like, how does that actually work? And it's just inconsistency. And I think maybe all of them are going to have a little bit of inconsistency because they're a growing young team, but they're going to find points somewhere and it's just going to be how do they find them and when. Yeah, I mean, it's a solid point. And I think, you know, inconsistency is a great way to talk about the last quarterback we're going to talk about at rank number 24, and that is Carson Wentz. Uh, I have him at 22. Again, I'm the highest on him. It seems like I in a lot of these rankings, and this is where I went with some safer options over some young breakout compared to the rest of the guys. Uh, Snyder has him at 26. George has him at 24 as well. Um, yeah, Carson Wentz, inconsistent, but I still think he has potential to be a solid quarterback on some weeks, which is why I think he can fit in nicely at quarterback 22. Don't expect a lot out of him. Uh, but unless you guys have anything else to add on Carson Wentz, I feel like we're all on the same page because our rankings are so close. <sighs> this might sound dumb, but I think Carson Wentz sees ghosts, especially after how last year ended. He's got to confront a lot of those ghosts in week one. We are going to see how successful Carson Wentz is going to be in a Washington uniform in one week. That's my opinion. If he busts week one, the the train's off the rails. I think he's going to be a mess. If he does good week one, he has a chance to be a decent starting quarterback, not saying he's going to be a top 12, anything like that, but like this ranking or maybe a little higher as possible. It hasn't Carson been through enough. Look, he went through all the BS in Philly, uh, getting injured in MVP season, watching a backup take the Super Bowl and, you know, having everyone clamoring for the backup and he goes to the Colts and only needs to beat the crappy Jags to make the playoffs and he can't do it maybe because the team abandoned their best player in the most important game, but that's another argument. But after all that, the dude ends up having the team give up on him 
and he has to face the Jags in week one. Really? And like, Doug Peterson. Like, really NFL. Doug Peterson and the Jags <laughs> in week one. Like, hasn't he been through enough? You had to do it to him like that. Like, you can't give him one week before having to do that. Like, that's just it's just rude. Like, I think the NFL is just, like, poking a stick at Carson Wentz from the top and laughing. And I, I honestly feel bad for the guy. Um, but I agree with you, George. I think if this guy comes out and puts up five points in week one, he's done. He's not going to have a season. It's over. He's not. It's in his head. He's he's out of it. Uh, if he comes out and puts up 35 points against the Jags in week one, uh, which, I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but it's possible. It's the Jags. They're terrible. They suck for a reason. Um, if he comes out and puts up big points against the Jags in week one, really redeems himself, like he might honestly start clicking and putting it together and putting up some decent points on different weeks because we've seen Wentz do it in the past. I mean, he isn't far removed from an MVP caliber season. It really was not that long ago that he was there. Um, and I know the cats tell me to wrap it up, so I will try to calm it down here, but uh, he does have that potential. I know it sounds like I'm really riding the Wentz train. I'm not. I'm the lowest out of everybody on him, but uh, just know that he is a guy you can keep an eye on as a potential streamer this season uh, off the waiver wire if he does get at the click. One week. I think, like you mentioned, you might know after one week. And as much slack as we give him, he did finish as quarterback 13 uh, last year. So he does have potential. But that wraps up picks 13 through 24. If you want to see the rest of how we rank the rest of the starting quarterbacks, be sure to check out the couchdms.com under the play player rankings tab, quarterbacks. Uh, you can see all 32. We might add some more as the season progresses, as we start getting some backups, you know, maybe like a Matt Corral after he takes over for Sam Darnold in week four. Uh, we'll talk more about that as the season uh, progresses. But as always, thanks for checking out another episode of the Couch DMs podcast. And guys, you know, I, I guarantee you, you're listening to this and you're having some opinions about things we've said about some of these players. And you're like, man, I should give them a piece of my mind. Well, what are you waiting for? We're right here. Come at us. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, let us know what you thought of the rankings, where your rankings are at. Uh, ask us some questions. Hey, who should I draft? What kind of a league should I be in? What the heck does this mean in fantasy? You ask us, we'll answer the questions. Either way, this podcast is more fun for us and more fun for you if you get involved. Yes, it is, Tyler. And thank you all again for listening in to the Couch GM's podcast. For Cody Roadcap and Tyler Snyder, I'm George Kirk. We'll see you all next week. Thank you.